Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Your relationship with authority affects your life and your happiness so much. Aside from the fact that God is an authority, God is king, and you have to learn to relate to him for your eternal future. What about on earth? How many of us have had good or bad experiences with parents, teachers, authority figures? Most people, I read a statistic, most people leave a job not because they don't like the job, but because they don't like the boss. And authority is hugely important. And the Bible has so much to say about it. We've spoken in our first week about kings and government officials. In our second week, we spoke about bosses and employees. And this week, I want to speak about parents and children. So the main verse is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. And he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's the first thing, to obey. Not to make them clever, good sports people, popular, all the different things. They must obey. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord means because we believe in God. If we don't believe in God, there are very few reasons to obey another human being, other than it eventually is self-serving. But in the Lord, we obey because it's right, he says, for this is right. This is the best way God has designed things to run. Obedience, submission. You know, in the Godhead, there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible makes it clear they are all equally God, 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 all the way through. And yet the Son submits to the Father and the Holy Spirit submits to both of the other two. And yet they are equal. Amazing. For this is right. Verse two, honor your father and mother. Honor is a word we're going to look at a little bit later, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. There's a promise there that if I honor the position of parent, even if my parent, as in my case, was a drunk and they weren't a proper example of a parent, if you honor the position and you do your best to give them respect, the Bible says it will go well with you and you will live long on the earth. What a promise, and what an easy promise to fulfill. You may say, that's not easy, Greg. You don't know my parents. Let's read on. That you may live long on the earth. And then this verse is so interesting. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. I've just got this picture in my mind of a little child stomping their feet and maybe bashing their fists on the floor, and they're red-faced, and they're crying and screaming, and they're so angry. That's what this is talking about. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to start with talking to parents. Basically, this, this last verse, verse 4. How do we bring up children in the training and the admonition of the Lord? How do we not provoke them to wrath? Because that is, for many of the people listening, that is where we're at. We're trying to work out, I've got a two-year-old, I've got a 20-year-old, how do I do this? And then in the second part of the talk, I'll talk about how do we honor our parents. And again, there's not many little children listening to me today, so it'll be more for the teenagers and up. So he says, you fathers, do not provoke your children to run. He speaks to fathers, he's not excluding mothers. But there is an order in the home. Ephesians 5 make it clear 
that the husband is the head, then the wife, then the children. And again, it's much like the Trinity. It's not saying that the, the others are inferior to the husband. It's just that God loves order and peace and structure. And so he says, even if the husband is not the best decision maker, not the cleverest person, uh, not the most reliable, we honor the position and we do our best to honor him and support him and build him up. And if the mother does that, and then together they discipline the children, that is the happiest and healthiest home. I've seen homes where a father and a mother are trying their best to obey the Bible, but because there's problems between the two of them, the whole atmosphere in the home is messed up and they, they can't get the children to obey and they wonder why, and it's because the wife and the husband are not in a good relationship. I was in a church once where a husband and wife were leading worship together and they both thought they were the leader and they would both be telling instructions to the congregation about what we were going to sing next or repeat a verse or go on to the next song. But they were dueling between them and everyone in the congregation was unsettled and easy. We couldn't focus on God because we were focused on the little battle that was going on between the two of them. And it's the same in a home. If your kids see mum and dad struggling to agree, they will not submit. So, you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, provoke means you are causing it. And what he's saying is if a parent causes their child to become angry and frustrated to the point of wrath, to the point of absolute anger and, and, and rage, there's a problem. Now, the problem could be with the way that the parent is giving the instruction. You know, sometimes we are inconsistent with our instructions. Sometimes we say yes today, no tomorrow. Sometimes we say no, but we don't mean no. And we say, I'm not going to tell you again. And then we say, I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> and we say it again. And we are inconsistent with the way that we speak. And that can provoke this. Sometimes the instruction itself is a silly instruction. We, we are not being reasonable and the child can pick that up. They say, that's, that's a silly thing to demand of me. And sometimes the problem is with the child where because of maybe a track record or a history of inconsistent discipline and parenting, they are now trying to get a reaction. And I've seen it many times where a child in a public setting, like in a supermarket, will have a tantrum because they know that the parent is embarrassed and it allows them to get their own way and to get the sweetie or whatever treat they're trying to get from the shop. And so sometimes the problem is with the parent, with the instruction or with the child. But in all cases, if wrath or tantrum is happening, there is a problem that the parent needs to solve. And it could be solved, first of all, by being a consistent parent who adds to discipline, love, and fun. Let me just expand on that a little bit. I firmly believe, from my experience as a child and as a parent, that if you have discipline with love and fun in equal measure, your children will submit and be happy. Let me start with them one by one. If they have fun, if they have enjoyable times with the family, it smooths the way for them to receive discipline because they know this is a happy place. You say, how do I have fun with my kids? Well, you can go to events that they like. You can go out to places that they like. 
Food is a great one. If you have good family times around food and you enjoy food together, it can be wonderful. There's got to be times of enjoyment. Kids have to feel that this family is a nice, happy place to be. You can have jokes and tickle one another and wrestle and, and parents can do silly things with their kids that they normally wouldn't do just to show the kids that fun and enjoyment is important. You've got to have fun. Then you can bring discipline later. Secondly, love. The children have to know that you value them and, and think they are so important and special. They have to know that. Now, every family has different ways of showing that, but a child can instinctively pick up whether a parent cares for them and loves them and wants what's best for them. And then, if you bring discipline in. So, how do we bring discipline? We've got to pick our battles. You know, you can't be telling a child every single little thing they're supposed to be doing. You've got to say there are some important things, and usually they are the, the things that will damage them, that we say this is very important that you do this. Other things we give a little bit of leeway. And I don't need to tell you that there's a spectrum from when a child is one or two years old to when they're 18 years old, the amount of autonomy that you give them changes dramatically. But if you can lay the foundations in the first three years of a child's life, you will find that they then go on to honor and obey and respect their parents even after they're three. And you don't need to do too much disciplining if you've done it right in the first three years. So that's the parent and the instructions. And then lastly, the child. If the child is reacting badly, then we need to use our instincts to decide how do we get this child to come out of a place of wrath and into a place of submission and peace. And every child is different. I don't mind telling you that I have three children that are all extremely different. The one child is very conscientious and will do whatever I say, and I just need to look at them a little bit disappointed and they will change. The other child requires strong speaking to and sometimes physical measures to get them to do what needs to be done. And you know, the Bible tells us as parents to discipline our children, not to punish them. And it says that God disciplines us, but he will only punish at the end of time at Judgment Day. And that's very, very important because if you think your role is to be the punisher or the judge, then you will think whatever the, the thing is that they've done wrong, I must bring the right punishment and cause pain and damage and they must suffer. That's a, that's a punishing type of attitude. But if I think of discipline, the role of discipline is to bring the child back to where they should be. And for some children, simply looking at them or saying, come on, is enough to bring them back in line. For other children, it requires strong measures. You send them to their room, you take away their device, you uh, take away their privileges. If they're very small, you have to physically restrain or move them or do something. But the, the child is different in every family and we need to, as parents, have wisdom to know how do I discipline, which means bring them back, rather than punish, which means meet out justice. I hope that helps you. And that's the way God treats us as well. If he were to punish us, the first sin we do, we would be annihilated and sent to hell. But he doesn't. He is gracious and he waits until judgment day. And he sent Jesus to take the penalty for us. So 
The way the parent does it is important. We can be consistent, we can be loving, we can have fun with the child, uh, and we can choose the, the battles that we want to fight over, over various things. Sometimes I see parents making such a big deal of such a small thing, uh, and we need to just decide. And also, if you can teach your little children to obey you, whatever you say, then you can become more and more relaxed as they grow up. The problem comes when you have a 10-year-old or a 14-year-old who hasn't learned obedience as a child, as a little baby, and then you've got a much, much bigger challenge on your hands because then the amount of fun and the amount of love has to be increased so much to make up for the discipline that you, you are having to uh, apply to their lives. And it, it, it is a very, very big job. But consistency and the mum and dad agreeing together can help and it can be done. But I just want to reiterate, if there's fun and if they know that you love them, then you can meet out strong discipline. And so if the child is the problem and they are acting up to try and get their way, you have to look at the situation and the character of the child and say, what do I need to do to get this child down off this tantrum stool that they're on and bring them down to a place of love and peace where we can communicate again. For some children, if they're of a certain age, you can discuss with them, you can reason with them. But for very little children, often you can't. And you just have to say, I am the parent. God has put me in this place. He has given me this responsibility. And he will ask me to give an account for how this child grew up. And so I am ins insisting on this rule. But I love you. And I'm doing it for love. And look, we have fun together. Sometimes a child will act up just because they're not getting enough attention. Uh, they, they're just desperate for attention. And they know that when they're naughty, the parent will spend time looking at them and giving them attention, even if it's a angry attention. And the answer to that is to give them attention when they're being good, to, to be more uh, emotional and, and demonstrative with them when things are going fine, and then they won't feel the need for these things. So I'm just throwing out a whole lot of of different ideas here for you. And then my last point on this is this verse, Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, do not promote, provoke your children to wrath. But Colossians 3 verse 21 says, fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And some children, instead of wrath and a tantrum, withdraw and become discouraged and become sad and depressed and introverted. And exactly the same solutions apply. It's just the character of the child is different. So if you see a response of anger and wrath and tantrums, or if you see a withdrawn, uh, sad response, the, the problem is the same. And the parent needs to look at themselves. How are they doing it? Uh, the instructions they're giving and the child and try and bring them back into line uh, using all those different things that I've said. And then lastly, just this verse says three things. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now that word bring them up only occurs twice in the New Testament. Here it's translated bring them up. And in another place in Ephesians, it's translated nourish. And it has with it the meaning of nourish or nurture. So bring them up, nourish them, cultivate them. Uh, bring them up doesn't mean whack them all the time and, and be harsh with them. Bring them up talks about love and nourishing them and causing them to grow and to develop, even if they're different to 
you, even if they're different to the other children you have, even if they're different to what you'd hope they would be. You nurture them and you say, God has given me this precious child and he's put all these gifts and abilities in it. Let me nourish and nurture them as they are to become the best that they can be. Bring them up, nourish them, nurture them in the training and admonition of the Lord. And this speaks of speaking to them and guiding them and telling them what they must do, what they mustn't do, giving them guidance and, and showing them the way, the admonition of the Lord. Friends, you're given this little bundle of humanity when a baby is born and you have this amazing privilege and responsibility of teaching them about God. When they get to a certain age, 15, 16, 17, they start making their own decisions. And when they leave home, they are their own person. You can no longer tell them what to do. But for those few years, as they grow and develop as an adult, you have time and the chance to be able to train them, to guide them in the way of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Now, let me just talk about children. He says, obey and honor your parents, your father and mother, and it comes with a promise. What does honor mean? Honor means you treat with respect and value, not necessarily because of them or their actions or who they are, but because of the position. You say, I'm going to give deference and respect to the position of authority that a parent has. Now, when you're a little child, these thoughts don't really go through your mind. But as you grow into a teenager and a young adult and an, and an adult in your own life, you have to learn how honoring your parents works. And it comes with a promise that it may go well and that you may live long. And I believe this is true. If you can learn to honor your parents, now what does that mean? It means you treat them with respect. You listen to them. You, uh, you say you're important because you gave me life and you've been on this earth a lot longer than I have. And it applies to all older people. We treat them with deference and with respect. But, you know, there are times, especially as you grow into a teenager and an adult, where your parent will say things that are wrong. They may have attitudes that are wrong and they may be full of hypocrisy. They may be trying to tell you things to do that are that are not right. I have known many Christian young people who, when they became Christians, their parents forbade them from going to church, forbade them from giving money to the church, from serving in the church. And they had to respectfully say, Mom, Dad, I love you. And I'm so grateful for everything you've done. And I honor you as a parent. But I am now growing into an adult and I have to make some of my own decisions. And I am doing this, even if you are displeased with it. And that is important. We need to learn to grow out of being babies into adults where we stand on our own. You know, in Genesis, when God made Adam and Eve, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. God's plan is for us to grow to a point where we leave our parents, but we honor them all the same. And so even if you're 40 or 50 years old, you can honor your parents, you can give them respect, you can treat them with deference, but that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything they say. It certainly doesn't mean you have to do everything they say or obey them because we leave them. That, that act of leaving our father and mother means they no longer have authority over us. We are now our own family unit. And I've seen many marriages and families badly affected because one of the spouses hasn't left, truly left their father and mother, and they still 
run to mum or dad whenever they're in trouble. Whenever their husband or wife does something wrong, they run to mum or dad and tell tales on them. And they expect mum or dad to still be the authority over their lives. And I want to say that honor does not mean obey. It, it means we have to cut the apron strings, but we still treat them with respect. And whether you still give them money is an important thing that every culture has a different way of handling. And I would say leaving your father and mother means you are not responsible for giving them money, although out of love you may choose to do so, especially if they're very elderly and they need help. It is the right thing to help them. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5, when Paul is giving Timothy instructions on how to handle giving of money to needy people in the church, he says she has to be over 60 years old. She has to have only been married once. She has to be a good person who's serving in the church. She's not a gossip. There's a whole lot of things about these widows. And then he says, and if she has family, let them take care of her. So there is a place for children to look after their parents if they're destitute. But we need to balance this up. Your own parents, your own, sorry, spouse and your own children are important. And you need to think about them before, I believe, you think about helping your wider family. But that is something for you and your conscience to deal with. Let me just talk about honor here. I'm just going to read a story as I close. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then Jesus went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So Jesus goes back to his hometown, and he starts preaching, and some people are astonished at his wisdom. And then verse 3 says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They suddenly realized this man who's claiming to be the son of God and preaching God's word, we knew him when he was little Jesus running around playing with our kids. And, and look, his brothers and sisters, his mom and dad are here. We know these people. He can't be that special. Verse 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus said, there's no honor coming here from this place, because you think you know me, you think you're better than me, you think, how can this man be great? And so there's no honor, and as a result, there's no belief, and as a result, there's no mighty works. There's no miracles. Friends, just think about that for a moment. In his own town, amongst his own people, with his own relatives, there was no flow of the miraculous power. Jesus wanted to heal people, but because there was no honor and there was no belief, he was prevented from doing so in this place. It clearly says, let me read it to you again. Now, he could do no mighty work there. He could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he said it started because there was no honor. Friends, the sad reality is that your family, your parents, your children, your family, needs God's miracle power. And it, it, it should be the place where God's healing is flowing, God's teaching, God's power, God's love, God's fellowship is flowing. 
Your ministry should be first and foremost in your family. You should have a, a microcosm of what you're doing in church should be in your family and it should come first. 1 Timothy 3 says you can't be a church leader if your family is not in order. And yet many Christians and church leaders have messed up families. And the reason is because in our own families, we don't give honor. Wives don't give honor to husbands. Children don't give honor to their parents. Sometimes parents don't give honor to their children, which means esteeming them, treating them as important. We don't speak about them behind their backs. We don't demean them in public. If they say something and we disagree, we don't immediately in public argue about it. We say, okay, we'll talk about it later at home. We honor them. We build them up. We lift them up. And as a result, God's miracle power flows. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like oil poured on the head and running down on the body. And it speaks of Aaron the priest and the, the oil of God's blessing and spirit poured on the head and flowing down on his robes. And then it says, it's as if all the dew of Mount Hermon, this big mountain, were drenched on Mount Zion, this little mountain. God bestows a blessing, even life forevermore in that place. In a family where there is honor, where there is respect, where there is love and fun and discipline, where everybody says we're going to honor the authorities, not because they're great people, but because it's in the Lord and it's right. God's miracle power flows. Friends, God is a father and he wants you to be his child. Pray this prayer if you want to be his child today. Say, Lord God, I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for me on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. I have sinned and I ask you to forgive me now and make me your child and take me into your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.